Hi, this is Jovi. This is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime Crime Stories. Stories. It's a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. I feel like we haven't talked in so long. Yes, it's so funny. So we were actually, Jovi and I were talking before we started recording because she just got back from her European vacay in Italy. So we were kind of catching up a little bit. We haven't spoken since before she left and um, we recorded like just before she left. And uh, yeah, it feels like it's been so long, but it's been just over a week, but it feels like it's been a lot forever. Forever. Yeah. But it has not. So yeah, like we're like, I feel like we're out of a groove, but yeah. you know, we'll get it. Yes, we it's will. like riding a bike, man. You know, you never forget. I mean, we never may need forget. training wheels here and there, but we got this. <laughs> exactly. Might be a little squeaky, but we'll be all right. Just a little bit. Um, just a little bit. Uh, so we are zooming. This should actually probably be our last Zoom podcast recording for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since Jovi just got back, we wanted to do at least one more week where we weren't together just to kind of be as cautious as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to be back together again next Woo-hoo! week, guys. And it's just reunited and it feels so, so good. Yes. Yes. Cause like as much as the zoom recording is convenient, it, you kind of, you miss something, you know what I mean? You miss that connection, if you will. Yeah. Um, yes. and plus we always have a like good time out of sync. Yes, this is true. Yes. We, we eat and we watch ridiculous movies about america's boogeyman and it's just it's just a good time yep all of this is accurate we do all of those things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do mm-hmm. <sighs> well um i know that you were on your trip but are you watching anything new did you read anything on your trip that is crimey or watch anything crimey i did and it's funny because now that i got a newer kindle I can't stop reading, which is great because mm. I wanted to get back mm-hmm. into reading. I missed it. It's just, it's a nice relaxation technique. Um, so I'm currently reading a crimey book um, and I'll get into that one in a minute, but the one that I did finish and it's really good. And I highly recommend it's called final girls by Riley Sager. Mm-hmm. And it's basically about these three women who they each went through a different massacre. Like um, all of them were the only living person left after Mm -hmm. all their friends died. Um, And they were named by the press, the final girls. And Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of twists, a lot of turns. Like when I got to the end, I was like, oh no shit. I did not see that coming. Um, So yes, I highly recommend. And actually this author um, Riley Sager, she has quite a few um, crimey books, so I'm probably going to mm-hmm. read other ones because she, I think she's a great writer. Um, and the book that I'm reading now is called Jar of Hearts, and I actually don't know who that's by. Um, my Kindle is at my work desk because I read on my lunch, but mm. um, that it's another great book. Um, the main character, she goes to jail for killing her best friend. And they get into why and like how she was in this like abusive relationship and all this fun, crazy stuff. So, yeah, I'm definitely digging these these crimey books. They're they're a lot of fun. The um, the title, the author for Jar of Hearts is Jennifer Hillier. 
Okay. Yes. Her. Earlier. And actually funny that you mention um, Riley Sager mm-hmm. because Riley Sager has a blurb on the page for Jar of Hearts as a recommendation. Oh, how funny. Isn't that crazy? Riley Sager, author of Final Girls, says, quote, Jar of Hearts that uh, will give readers gasping in shock. Uh, will it's have true. Readers gasping in shock. I can't <laughs> fucking read. Um, it is suspenseful, gritty, and utterly unforgettable. Yes. It's so like I'm halfway through it and I just started it. Mm. I read like a chapter in Italy. And then yesterday I spent all day reading and I'm halfway mm. through it and I'm like, I can't stop. I can't put it down. It's just nice. It's a great book. But yeah, I, Molly disagrees with that. She's like two thumb, two do claws down. Yeah. Don't like that. Don't like do pa- two paws down. Um, I haven't watched anything new recently. But I swear to God, if one more person talks about euphoria or if I see one more TikTok about euphoria, I'm going to freak out. Like part of me wants to watch it just to see what all the hype's about. But at the same time, I kind of don't because I'm like, I swear to God, I feel like it's going to be one of those things where I'm watching it. and I'm going to be the only person that's like, I agree. I agree. I feel like it's I know I agree with you completely. Like I I haven't watched it at all. And it's not for lack of dislike of the people like I. I adore Zendaya. Yeah. I love Zendaya. Zendaya. I think it's Zendaya, right? Zendaya. I, I say Zendaya. Zendaya. I think it's Daya. Uh, well, sure. well, I mean, we potato, know potato. Talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, I adore, I love her. I mm-hmm. do, regardless of whether or not I can pronounce her name correctly, mm-hmm. um, which I do feel awful about, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love Sydney Sweeney, who's in it. She was yeah. on. Um, uh, Handmaid's Tale. I know she was in Handmaid's Tale, and so like it's not for a lack of dislike for the actors in it, mm-hmm. but it is. It's that thing of like it's to a point where it's so hyped up that I'm just kind of like, can it even? I, I don't. Yeah. I want to watch, and I but I also like don't want to care. I don't yeah. know. It, it's like that's where I'm at. Same. I keep I keep getting stuck. I started watching a show that I really enjoyed, and I go super soups into it but I can't get back into it. Like I fell off after like the third episode mm-hmm. just for reasons, just for, you know, whatever. And I can't bring myself to start watching it again. And I think it's just cause it's super fucking intense. Mm-hmm. So um, it's on Apple TV plus and it's called defending Jacob and Chris Evans is in it. And he, his, the woman who plays his wife, <sighs> I could picture her and I'm not gonna be able to think of her name, but she's one of the main actresses from Downton Abbey. Mm. And the premise of the show is Chris Evans is a district attorney, I believe, or an ADA. He's an assistant district attorney. And one of his son's classmates is murdered. Oh. And his son is like the prime suspect. Oh. So yeah. So like he started as the person who was going to be like prosecuting and like doing the um interviews for the kids at the school and stuff because he was going to be the the da to like take it to the court right and then all of a sudden they had to like strip him of his duties they like oh it's like it's great it's great it is it was fantastic and i just it's i think it's because it's so intense Mm -hmm. 
I had to shut it off and now I can't like bring myself to start watching it again, Mm -hmm. but I want to. And every single time I open Apple TV to either watch Ted Lasso or to watch Come From Away, because that's literally the only two reasons why I turn on Apple TV. Yeah. Um, And I do it often. Um, I never put back on Defending Jacob. I just watch Ted Lasso or Come From Away. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, if it's that intense, you have to be in a certain Mm -hmm. kind of mood to be able to watch it. I I get it. Mm. I, I really yeah. do. Um, but it yeah. sounds like it's a great show. It's good. The premise is great. The acting is phenomenal. Like even the other people in the town, mm-hmm. the actors that they get for the other people in the town are fantastic. Nice. So it's just like, it's good. Like it's just plain old good. It's good. It's just good. It's just good. Just good. It's good. Nice. Well, if I ever yeah. get Apple TV, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to give it a yeah. shot. Well, you should. So I you should. can re-binge Ted Lasso because... I mean, Ted Lasso. Really? Ted Lasso alone All is that. worth the subscription to... I agree. I absolutely agree. So, I guess it's time for us to jump into tonight's bed crime story. Woot, woot. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Tonight's bed crime story was a little bit um, inspired by your trip. Oh, Really? Um, kind of a okay. little bit. Yeah. There was, there's a little bit of that in there. And honestly, I will tell you, so I, I've been telling a lot of like really awful stories lately. Mm-hmm. Like I truly can't remember the last time I told a story that didn't involve some sort of like tragic, horrific death of a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided to go, I completely steered myself in the opposite direction because I was really tired of talking about that. Um, and if I was a listener, I'd be really tired of hearing about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I was, it was time for me to switch it up a little bit. So I'm going to talk about a legendary crime story. Um, but one that might not even have like a death actually involved in it. So it's, oh, wow. it's crime, but it's not, it possibly, it definitely not murder. Yeah, and yeah. There may not even actually be death. It is a mystery, however, which is why I'm saying it the way I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tonight I'm going to be telling the legendary story of infamous airline hijacker, DB Cooper. Ooh. Yeah. I'm fucking okay. excited. I'm excited to tell the story because like I knew he ex- I knew it happened. Mm-hmm. The amount of details I had about this were close to zero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I knew it was a mystery. I know nobody knows really what happened to him. And that was like the wealth of my knowledge about D.B. Cooper. Yeah. So my sources for this evening, uh, an article from All That's Interesting, um, an entry from crimemuseum.org. Mm-hmm. Crimemuseum.org. And of course, Oh, Wikipedia. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Of course. Mm-hmm. So um, our story starts the night before Thanksgiving, November 24th, 1971. Oh, wow. Um, we are in Portland, Oregon. Uh, a man who could only be described as ordinary walks up to the ticket counter for Northwest Orient Airlines and purchased a one-way ticket to Seattle. Hmm. He gives the name Dan Cooper and paid for the ticket in cash. The only thing that he carried with him was a small black attache case, briefcase. Mm-hmm. Um, he, but I like the word attache. Mm-hmm. So it's bougie. It I get it. It's bougie, bougie. Yes. Uh, the flight was only registered as a 30 minute trip and it was traveled more, most commonly at, for businessmen. Yeah. And uh, 
Dan Cooper was dressed in a simple suit, a thin black tie, had very tidy, tidy haircut. Um, and he appeared to be in about his mid forties. So he kind of like blended right in. Mm-hmm. He sits down on the plane and he orders himself a bourbon and soda, which incidentally was what I was drinking last night when I was reading the story. Oh, so look at that. I, like, I had it in my hand. I would take a sip. I'm like, huh, <laughs> mm. look at me. Mm. In memory of Mr. Cooper. Okay. Uh, I was hanging with Mr. Cooper. Ah, look what I see. Uh, what, what up, you did elder there. millennials? You guys are going to laugh at that one. <laughs> um, okay. So, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 uh, was about one third full when it departed Portland on schedule at 2.50 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hmm. Shortly after takeoff, Cooper hands a note to Florence Schaffner, who was the flight attendant stationed nearest him. Florence, assuming that the note contained a man's phone number because she's like, she was apparently very, very beautiful. And back then, as we know from like TV shows and shit, like that was like traveling was like very different back then. Like they only hired super sexy stewardesses is of course what they were called back then. Yep. And it was very common for them to be hit on pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. So she takes the note. She just kind of like dropped it unopened into her purse and was trying to like move on. Mm -hmm. But he leans over to her and whispers, miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. Oh shit. Yeah. So Florence uh, opens the note and the statement in the note was written neatly in felt pen in all capital letters. And it said, quote, I have a bomb in my briefcase. I want you to sit right next to me. Oh, shit. So Florence sits in the seat next to Cooper and asked to see the bomb, which mm-hmm. I was like, all right, brave. Right. <laughs> no, thanks. Hey, let me go ahead and take a look at that bomb you got there, mm-hmm. sir. So he opens his briefcase and she sees a tangle of wires, a battery and red color sticks, red colored sticks that look like dynamite. No shit. Yes. Shit. So (laughs) that's what I would have been doing if that was me. No shit. Oh my God. I just took a shit. (laughs) Scared shitless. Mm -hmm. Um, After closing the case, he expressed his demands to Florence. So he said that he wanted $200,000 in cash. Um, and he didn't specify any denominations. He just basically said like, I want it in spendable American currency. Mm-hmm. So however you can get it to hundred grand, Jeez. um, four parachutes, two primary shoots and two reserve shoots. And he wanted a fuel truck standing by waiting for them in Seattle to refuel the plane so he can go wherever he needed to get to. Well, shit. So Florence goes to the cockpit, informs the pilot of his demands. And by the time she returned back into the cabin, he was wearing dark sunglasses and had it. Then he didn't take them off for the rest of this event. Okay. Yeah. So pilot, you know, calls down to the ground and they actually start scrambling to get the ransom together. So they're willing to i guess technically cooperate mm-hmm. um but of course with the you know there was going to be fbi agents there on the ground yada 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 as the plane is circling in the air for about two hours waiting for officials to try to scramble to get the money and get the parachutes together all of that stuff the plane winds up landing in seattle at about 5 39 p.m Oh, wow. So it should have landed at like 320. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, yeah, it's a little late, like, a little delayed, a little, little delayed. So around this time, the airline staff approaches Cooper with the money and the parachutes. Damn. 
The first two parachutes that he was given were provided by McCord Air Force Base, um, which was nearby SeaTac uh, Airport, so Seattle, Tacoma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, after receiving them, Cooper demanded two more parachutes. So it's assumed that the first two parachutes he got wouldn't have worked for his mission because they were military grade parachutes. And Mm. the only way that they work is you actually have to tie, like um, attach a line to the aircraft, to the parachute Mm -hmm. and automatically opens the chute after a 200 foot free fall. Uh, It's a safety measure. Yes. 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 Um, And because they were going to be so high up in the air, people don't think that that was going to work for his demand Mm -hmm. so the second set of parachutes he gets are sports parachutes um that were brought from a nearby skydiving field and those parachutes would allow somebody to free fall for several several thousand feet before the parachute would open oh wow so definitely would make more sense for what he needed to do yeah 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 so at this point they're still on the ground db cooper releases all 36 passengers um and he also lets two crew members go including florin schaffner oh wow I was, see, I was yeah. expecting him to like kind of hang on Keep to her. her for the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Nope. Let her go. Damn. Yeah. Then he tells the pilot that he wants to fly to Mexico city, but the plane, because of course it's the seventies mm-hmm. plane doesn't have the fuel range to fly 2000 miles. Um, so Cooper and the pilot, they talk about it and they, and he agrees that it's okay to make a refueling stop in Reno along the way. Oh, that's nice of them to allow that. To I know. Happen. Yeah. Like, I guess we can stop for more gas, <laughs> I, I suppose. Um, no, just fill up a whole bunch of gas cans on the flight. Right? We'll figure it out. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so before they take off, he lays out, he lays out more demands, but spe- specific to how he wants the plane to be flown. So he says that they have to fly below 10,000 feet. Um, he would let, he wants the wing flaps at 15 degrees which basically means that they wouldn't be able to go any faster than 200 knots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wanted the rear door with the aft staircase. So the back staircase, emergency stairs mm-hmm. to remain open when they took off. Oh, okay. So <laughs> yeah. Northwest's home office objected to the door situation saying that it's unsafe to take off with the staircase in open position. Um, so he decided, okay, we'll take off with it in a open or closed, but I'm going to open the aircraft or I'm going to open the staircase when we're in the air. So you have to keep the cabin depressurized. Like, I'm sorry. None of this sounds safe. I mean, I know he's hijacking a plane and all, but like, come on flying in a plane with the door. No, no, no. Yeah. Just keep the door open. Okay. I'll roll down a window for you. All right. Like, yeah, for real. So he asked the flight attendant that he actually did keep on the flight. Her name is uh, Tina Mucklow to show him how to operate the stairs before they leave. So finally at about 7:40 PM, um, the Boeing 727 took off with only Cooper, Tina Mucklow, captain William Scott, first officer, William Radisack and flight engineer, Harold E. Anderson on board. Um, there were two F-106 fighter aircraft from McCord Air Force Base following behind the airliner. So one was kind of back and above and one was like back and below. So they remained out of Cooper's view. He couldn't see the planes. There was also a Lockheed T-34 
trainer that was diverted from an Air National Guard mission nearby um, to uh, sent also to shadow the 727, but it ran low on fuel and had to turn back. So um, Cooper sends the crew to the cockpit because and, and it starts to get really, really cold in the no cabin. No shit. Likely. Yeah. Um, and the four crew members wind up go claim that the temperature dropped below zero yes. and it was likely due because of the fact that the cabin was depressurized. Yes. Yeah. Cause when, yeah. when you're flying and um, like when I was on my flight, it told me what the temperature was outside up 30, 50,000 feet, whatever the case may be. It was like negative mm. 30 degrees. So yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's going to be cold in the cabin. You have the door open. Could be a little chilly. Jesus. Could be a little chilly. Oh my God. So, um, so they're all huddled in the um, in the cockpit, mm-hmm. and at eight o'clock p.m., approximately, just about eight o'clock, a warning light flashes in the cockpit, notifying them that the rear air stairs had been lowered. Um, so the pilots intercom back into the cabin and ask if Cooper needed assistance. He picks up the cabin phone and just replies, "No." And this was the last message ever heard from DB Cooper. Oh no, shit. Yeah. So about 15 minutes later, the crew members notice a sudden upward motion from the tail of the plane, which was so severe that they actually had to like write the plane. Oh, wow. Um, And they remain, but they wound up staying in the cockpit, freezing for nearly two hours before they could finally land in Reno because they were going so freaking slow because he wanted them under the 200 knots right so at some point between 10 and 11 30 p.m the 727 lands with the air stair in the back still deployed at reno tahoe international airport fbi agents state troopers sheriff's deputies and reno police which all i could think of was reno 911 and those guys in the tiny little shorts all i could think about was thomas (laughs) lennon in those tiny shorts and it was making me laugh last night reading this (laughs) um so the reno police were also on hand which i'm sure was if it was them was hysterical of course Um, yes yeah although they did not approach the plane in case the bomb was still active and on the plane yeah Mm because you don't know Mm -hmm. so captain scott captain stubing captain scott informed cooper was no longer aboard and an fbi bomb bomb squad an fbi bomb squad reported that the cabin was clean after a 30 minute sweep so they really weren't able to get a specific search area because even tiny difference in estimates of the plane's speed at the time that he actually jumped or the weather conditions when he jumped along with the flight path, which varied by location and altitude, like all of this stuff could any minuscule change is going to change the landing point drastically by miles. Right. right. So it's really hard for them to figure out, like, where do we even begin to search on the ground? Mm-hmm. And an important variable was how long he actually remained in free fall before he pulled his ripcord on the parachute. Correct. Because that would make a big difference, too. It makes a huge difference, right? Because once you get that uh, air resistance with the parachute, it slows you down. It mm-hmm. steers you off course. And none, none of the parachutes that he had were able to be, like guided steered yeah yeah so neither of the air force f-106 pilots saw anything exit the aircraft 
either visually or on radar radar nor do they see a parachute open but at night with limited visibility there was uh, a lot of cloud cover mm-hmm. plus he was wearing all black it was mm-hmm. would have been very easy for him to be undetected right and he knew all this he knew and he knew all this mm-hmm. he was so smart yeah in an experimental recreation with the same aircraft using the hijacking on the same flight configuration, FBI agents pushed a 200-pound sled out of the back stairs and were able to reproduce that upward motion from the tail section of the plane. So it's really just a brief change in cabin pressure from him like jumping mm-hmm. from, I guess, that extended piece from the plane that completely like fucked up the um the airflow around the tail yeah, of the yeah, plane yeah. and caused there to be like an issue you know like a jump yeah and they were able to um replicate like the the temperature inside like they were able to figure out like yes what we think happened actually happened because we were able to replicate all of it mm-hmm. And initial projections placed Cooper's landing zone within an area on the southernmost outreach of Mount St. Helens, a few Hmm. miles south of Ariel, Washington. Search efforts focused on Clark and Cowlitz counties, focusing specifically on the terrains immediately south and north of the Lewis River in southwest Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, FBI agents and sheriff's deputies from those counties uh, searched large areas of wilderness on foot and by helicopter. There was door-to-door searches of local farmhouses that were carried out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Other search parties ran patrol boats along Lake Merwin and Yale Lake. Wow. No trace of Cooper. Uh, no trace of his parachutes. No trace of the money. No trace of the briefcase. There was literally nothing that they could find no shit yeah so later studies later studies indicate that the original landing zone estimates were likely grossly inaccurate so captain scott who was flying the aircraft manually because of like cooper's demands of the speed and the altitude later states himself that his flight path was farther east than he even initially assumed wow Additional data from a variety of sources, principally Continental Airlines pilot Tom Bohan, who was flying four minutes behind flight 305 that night, indicated that wind direction factored into the drop zone calculations Mm -hmm. were wrong, possibly by as much as 80 degrees. Oh, wow. So again, like even a slight miscalculation could throw you off by miles. An 80 degree miscalculation is like wow detrimental yeah. to your your yeah yeah you're kind of screwed at that point because <clears throat> you're totally screwed yeah wow. exactly so this and other additional data suggest that the actual drop zone was south southeast of the original estimate in the drainage area of the washugal river which is really fun to say that is, i was just gonna say that's an interesting name yeah so fbi agent ralph himmelsbach wrote quote I have to confess, if I were going to look for Cooper, I would head for the Washougal. The Washougal Valley and its surroundings have been searched repeatedly by private individuals and groups in subsequent years. To date, no discoveries of traceable uh, traceable to the hijacking have been reported. Hmm. Some investigators, however, speculate that the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens could have destroyed any remaining physical evidence. Yeah, I, I would say so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of 1980, on February 10th, 1980, 
eight-year-old Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River at a beachfront known as Tina Bar. So bar meaning uh, like sandbar, not like a place where you go drinking. Got it, got it, got it. Yes. So it's the Tina Bar, about nine miles downstream from Vancouver, Washington, Mm -hmm. and 20 miles southwest of Ariel. He uncovered three packets of the ransom cash totaling around $5,800. No shit. Yeah. Yes. As he raked the riverbank to build a campfire. Dude, I envy that little boy. (laughs) For real. So the bills had disintegrated from exposure to the elements, but they were still bundled in rubber bands. Wow. Uh, FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom, Mm -hmm. two packets of $120 bills each, and a third packet of $90. Mm-hmm. $20 bills. So 10 bills were missing from that third packet, all arranged in the same numerical order as it was when it was given to Cooper. Oh, wow. Right? Fuck, right? That's kind of cool. <laughs> Super like, fucking cool. Yeah, that's neat. I like that. Okay. That is neat. So the discovery of the bills launched more speculation and ultimately raised even more questions than it answered. Investigators and scientific consultants found um, that the bundled bills seemed to have washed freely into the Columbia River from one of its many connecting flows. Mm-hmm. So an Army Corps of Engineers hydrologist noted that the bills had disintegrated in a rounded fashion. So I guess it's just like from the wear, mm-hmm. the tears weren't ragged. They were like smooth. Mm-hmm. And they were matted together, indicating that they had been, quote, deposited by river action. Oh. Um, Yes. As opposed to having been deliberately buried there on the riverbank. Ah, okay. That conclusion, if correct, supports the opinion that Cooper had not landed near Lake Merwin because that feeds into the Columbia downstream from Tina Bar. It lends evidence to the additional speculation that the drop zone was closer to the Washougal River, which merges with the Columbia upstream from where the money was founded, was found. Okay. So if he landed by, if he landed by Lake Merwin, the money never would have made it where it was. Right. But if he did drop near Mashugal River, it could have carried downstream and, and eventually washed ashore in Columbia. Okay. The Columbia River. Um, In 1986, after negotiations took place, the recovered bills were divided equally between Brian Ingram Mm. and the Northwest Orient's insurer. The FBI retained 14 examples as evidence. So Brian Ingram sold 15 of his bills, only $300 worth of 20s, at auction in 2008 for about 37 grand. No shit. Yeah, so not bad for like digging by a river and finding some casholi. You wind up a couple, you know, when you're what he had to be close to 40 at that point, or I don't know, actually closer to 50 at that point, $37,000. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So the Columbia River ransom money remains the only confirmed physical evidence from the hijacking event ever to be found outside of the aircraft. Hmm. Between 1971 and 2016, the FBI processed more than a thousand serious suspects, including assorted publicity seekers and deathbed confessors. None were ever substantiated. Wow. Zero. 
On July 8th, 2016, the FBI announced that it was suspending active investigation of the Cooper case, citing a need to focus its investigative resources and manpower on issues of higher and more urgent priority, which I would tend to agree. Yeah, no, I agree. Local field offices, however, do continue to look for and would accept any legitimate physical evidence related specifically to the parachutes or the ransom money, because it's more likely that those two pieces of evidence would point to where he would have landed. Right. So the 66 volume case file by the FBI compiled over the 45 year course of the investigation will be preserved for historical purposes at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. and on the FBI website. All the evidence is open to the public, which I think is pretty fucking cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The FBI were skeptical of Cooper's odds of survival from the very beginning, owing to the fact that he seemed to lack crucial skydiving skills and experience. Mm -hmm. So, uh, quote, we originally thought Cooper was an experienced jumper, perhaps even a paratrooper, Mm -hmm. said Special Agent Larry Carr, who was the lead investigator in the Cooper case. Quote, we concluded after a few years, this was simply not true. No experienced parachutist would have jumped in the pitch black night in the rain with a one with 172 mile per hour winds in his face, wearing loafers and a trench coat. It was simply too risky. Um, he says also, quote, he also missed that his reserve parachute was only for training and had been sewn shut. Oh. Something a skilled skydiver would have checked. So he only technically jumped, even though he had two on him. Technically, only jump with one functioning one because the reserve one was so shot. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. DB Cooper also didn't bring or request a helmet and to choose to jump with uh, the older and technically inferior of the two primary parachutes he was supplied with and jumping into temperatures likely around 15 degrees Fahrenheit with wind at the 10,000 feet in November over Washington State without proper protection mm-hmm. against the extreme wind chill was like, beyond stupid <laughs> yes i beyond, <laughs> beyond dumb dumb dummy dumb dumb yes yes so even if he did land safely agents speculate that survival in that terrain on the onset of winter would have been basically impossible without an accomplice mm-hmm. at the planned landing point but that would have been close to impossible because it would have required him to jump at an exact time to get cooperation from and to get cooperation from the flight crew because he would have had to be like timed and placed perfectly to meet his accomplice on the ground um so and there's no evidence that cooper requested or received any help from the crew of that type of nature nor that he had any clear idea where he was when he jumped into the stormy darkness mm-hmm. um the crime remains the only unsolved case of air piracy in commercial aviation history oh shit that's crazy and that is the mystery of db cooper nobody knows who he is nobody has any idea Dan Cooper turned out to be a false name, obviously. Obviously. Um, D.B. Cooper was actually a, the reason why he came to be known as D.B. Cooper was because of a misprint in one of the newspapers and just kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like all of this stuff, like nobody has any idea who he was. He is a mystery. He could have died. He might have survived. Like literally there's nobody knows. Yeah. He vanished literally into thin air. That's crazy. So, like, did he, like, just decide when he woke up that morning that he wanted to hijack a plane and jump out of it randomly? Like, Who fucking holy knows. shit. Yeah. D.B. Cooper is, yeah, craziness. Crazy, that is crazy. crazy. And, like, I said, there's, there was so many people listed, and Wikipedia actually did a really great job of listing all of the most popular of the D.B. Cooper suspects. Nice. 
but I could have literally sat here all night and read about like there was there's so many people that are listed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why this came up, not only because of your flight and like just thinking about that, but also if you remember when I did the story about John List, John List was is com- like continually named when DB Cooper is brought up because the list murders happened like five days before this. Oh, that shines a whole new light on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause I remember at the end of my, my list story, I mentioned DB Cooper very briefly. And it was like, because a man on the run for killing his family has nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And he kind of slightly sort of possibly could have resembled the sketch of Cooper. Right. Wow. So like there was rumors that it was list, but when list was finally captured, he's like, I, 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 it's not me. I'm yeah. Not <laughs> I didn't jump yeah. out of a plane. Thanks. Yeah. It, like that, <laughs> like that giant asshole would have actually jumped out of a plane. He was way too into himself to ever put oh. himself in risk like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Fucking yeah. That's an amazing story. Isn't it great? Like that's crazy no murder i just wanted to keep it nice and light tonight he might not have even have died like it could have just been a fun romp in hijacking history (laughs) wow crazy right and then like there was a shit ton of um copycats like there were so many hijackings after that every single one of them got caught well yes yeah damn can you imagine having balls big enough to to attempt to pull off a hijacking like i'm sorry absolutely not you have to have the world's most ginormous balls to even attempt that like i i, I agree with you wholeheartedly wow. yes wow mm-hmm. the lord but yeah so that is the story of that is the mystery of db cooper damn well i enjoyed that if any of our listeners out there are fans of the marvel universe and have watched the loki tv show on disney plus there is a nod to db cooper that loki actually was db cooper which was and it was cute it was like a cute little it was like a cute little like it honestly wasn't even like if i remember correctly it wasn't even a full scene it was just kind of like a and you're like wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute that's totally something loki would do but yeah that's definitely something loki would do i agree with that a thousand percent i remember looking but i was looking at the sketch yesterday and i was like he's not hot enough to be tom (laughs) no Doobie Cooper. No, because Tom Hiddleston. Yes, I love him so much. I love him so much. Mm-hmm. He's totally not even my type. But there's just something about him that's like, oh, I agree. I I think it's, I think it's just the way he acts, the characters uh-huh. he portrays. Like it's just like, oh, you're sassy. Okay, the accent does not hurt. No, it doesn't. Not even a little bit. Big fan of that. Yes, accents are number one. But yeah, thank you for sharing that amazing story. I guess You're just so it's just a fun. I mean, hmm. hijacking is not fun, kids. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, 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 no. It's just it's such an interesting story to to hear about all that. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy interesting story, and like I think the again, like I think part of it was too like I just needed to take a break from the super dark shit we've been talking about recently like because we've been go we we went dark there mm-hmm. for a while yes we were real dark there for a while yes we so did. i think it was time to kind of uh do something a little bit less murdering less sad 
a little less murdery, mm-hmm. especially with like the kid stuff. Cause yeah. it was getting, it was getting real dark there. Like I started with Adam Walsh and just like took a fucking sharp left turn into that bill. Yes. No, thank yes, you. it did. <laughs> you're, you're not kidding. That's exactly uh, what happened. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that story. You're so welcome. And our listeners out there listening. Uh, what we would really appreciate you guys to do, because I mean, we appreciate you, period. We we love you guys. Everything we do, we do it for you. Yes. Just like Brian Adams said. Yes. Yes. Uh, Brian Adams actually wrote that song about you guys. Um, <laughs> he did. He did. He saw into the future yes. and said, this is how these people are going to feel about their listeners. Correct. I'm going to write the song about that. Correct. That's yeah. exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we love you guys. Um, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening to us, whatever platform you're on, um, tell your friends, have your friends tell their friends and so on and so forth. You know how that pans out. And they tell two friends and they tell two friends. And then we become a huge community mm-hmm. and it'll be good times had by all. You can find us on social media at bed crime stories on Instagram, Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. TikTok at some point, just not yet. If you have any kind of story requests or you want to say hi or, you know, you just want to BS and tell us about your day at work or a dog you saw, um, feel free to slide up in our DMs on Instagram Mm -hmm. or email us at bedcrimestoriespod at Mm -hmm. gmail.com because we love to hear from you guys. Mm -hmm. Be kind. Please. Um, Please do. Please, please please be kind shit's getting real dark shit's getting real dark and like things in florida right now are not great no so um and texas and texas yes um and obviously also in the ukraine which went yes yeah send all of our love and prayers over to europe and send them all all the very very best as much as much as we can do over here is just yep agreed it's 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 a shame what's going on right now but yep all the good the good vibes and the prayers are sent over to the ukraine um but i'll tell you what they're kicking ass man like they're not backing down and and i love that Mm -hmm. i love that so much for them um but yeah be kind uh we need all the kindness we could get nowadays um and i think that's it i think i covered everything that's it Mm-hmm. Okay. Whole beans. So you guys have a good day. Good night. Whatever time you happen to listen to us at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I just talked in a circle, but whatever. We'll see you guys all next week. But until then, sweet, sweet dreams. dreams. Bye, y'all. Bye. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.